With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, how's it going, everybody? How's your days been? Everybody shy? I'm the only one here? Well, um, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundtrumpetministries.com. And what helped me get involved in ministry was that I had to, um, I was at a rough time in my life, you know, I was of the world, I um, did a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have, you know, like what most unsaved people do. And over time, I, um, I just was headed on a downward spiral, I got in trouble with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. But long story short is I found myself in a really difficult place where I knew that only Jesus Christ could pull me out from. So while I was, you know, in despair without hope, far away from family, living out here in Portland, Oregon, um, I could say that I didn't really have a whole lot of hope. There were a lot of things that I wanted that I was going about the wrong way in having them. So I think... Um, what I'm going to speak about tonight is how much of Jesus Christ do you really want? And I think that that is really important in our lives as far as how far we want to go with him, how we want to know him, and um, really get into that part of it because I'm recognizing too that I was raised in a church, I was raised in a Baptist church, Baptist church in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, one of the difficult things that I had was I thought that everyone that was a Christian would uh, be in church on Sunday, you know, saying all the nice things, singing in the choir, doing all sorts of things. And then when I got back out into the world from Saturday to Monday, you know, or, or Monday through Saturday, I lived like the world. And I truly thought that that's what a Christian was in my life. And I lived that way for 35 years, 34 years. But, you know, in my 35th year, the Lord came into my life. I gave my heart to Him. And ever since then, I've been living for Him. And I'll tell you, it's a glorious experience because when you accept Jesus Christ, all of the things that you think are important, all the worldly things, all the things that you just feel like you can't live without, they just seem to go away. And, you know, the world really does grow strangely dead when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. And, you know, he will, he will fill that void that's in our lives. So I want to get started with, um, uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, I mean, chapter 5, sorry. And I want to read something um, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that my ministry was based on this, the Lord giving me an understanding of the world, of who we are, and how we live. Let's go to First Thessalonians 5. Which verse? Uh, we're going to start at verse, let's see. Let's start at verse 16. First Thessalonians 5 and 16, and it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we understand that in everything that we do, when we are born again, that Jesus Christ becomes our central focus. He becomes everything that we want, everything that we need. But in many times, because we're busy during the course of the day, we forget to give thanks. We forget to really thank the Lord for even the small things. And when you get my age, I'm not an old man, I'm 42 years old, but... I, you, you want even a good night's sleep, all right? It will make you feel like, praise the Lord, okay? Because you get so busy in all the things that you do. So it says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, this is another thing that the Lord had to work out with me in my life because 
I thought if I wasn't doing wrong, then it didn't really matter what I did and who I was around. And somehow, you know, I would still be seen as a Christian. But when we follow the Lord, you know, our reputation should be intact. Christians cannot hang out with unbelievers. I know that a lot of people think that that's okay. If you're not trying to turn someone towards Jesus and bring them in, it becomes a snare to you to even be involved in things like, let's just say that you're a born-again believer, you're in the world, and you see some friends that you knew when you were unsaved. You get to know them, and you hang out with them, and they may go to places like clubs. I know you guys are too, maybe too young for that, but... You know, you might join them in a place that probably isn't the best place for a believer. But all it takes is for some people to do is come in and see you. And even though you might be totally innocent, your motives may be good, it can still be seen as, you know, evil. Like, well, what are they doing there? Why are they doing this? You know, so you never know. So we have to be careful with our reputation concerning the Lord that we want to keep it intact. And, of course, we're not out to please people, but... Even the appearance of evil can hold great weight in a Christian's life. And uh, I want to let everyone know, too, while I'm up here speaking, if there's anything you don't understand, feel free to interrupt. Feel free to ask questions. You can interject anything. This is an institute of learning. We're on the Word of God. So opinions or questions don't bother me at all because one thing we want to do is edify the body, and we want to be clear. Okay? All right. So, um... The next is, he says, in the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, while whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, this is one of the things when I got started in the ministry, the Lord introduced me to was the makeup of man, how we are body, soul, and spirit. That's right. Now, we all understand what the body is and how... You know, it's what we live in. It's the house that we live in. But, you know, very few people understand the soul or the spirit. And when we figure these things out, God has left countless examples of what we're made of. And he's giving this, he's given this um, example over and over again in the Bible. So, you know, your body is the house that you live. You know, it's your fingers, your hands, and everything else. And um, when you get into the soul, the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That is the place that, you know, um, we feel, you know, if you don't feel right about some things, in most cases you're dealing in your soul, how you perceive people on the outside of you. Uh, maybe you'll have friends or people we may want to marry one day and choose. A lot of that perception comes from our will. Or even to follow the Lord, our minds, you know, which the Bible says that we have to have renewed one day. And then when you get to the spirit, that is truly the place that we worship God. There are three words that go with body, soul, and spirit. The first is for the body. You know, when you have regret in your life, in many cases, you usually regret things that you either have done or haven't done, but it's usually worldly. When you have remorse, remorse is, an, is an, uh, an act of the, um, the soul because you may feel bad about something that you might have done to someone else or to yourself. But when you reach this, this spirit, the word there is repentance. And I think where a lot of people in their lives may suffer with um, remorse or regret, the thing that keeps us following the Lord and not going back to the things that once had us bound is repentance. When you repent, you give your life over to the Lord, you are more than sorry for what you have done, and you never want to walk that way again. Okay, so when you recognize that you are repenting before the Lord, it's so much deeper than remorse and regret because we recognize that it's God that we've offended. But in many cases in our walk, we may um, you know, have three different types of consciousness. We can be world conscious, which is where we pay attention to the things that have gone on in our lives and things that affect us physically. And then you have um, self-conscious, where you pay attention to the things that you might want or desire. And then there is God-conscious, which is what you might have in the spirit. So, you know, it's, it's good how the Bible explains a lot of um, walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And he says, one of, Paul says one of the easiest ways for us to understand if we're walking in the flesh or in the spirit 
are the things that we mind, those things that are most important to us, those things that we think we can't live without. If you want to know if you're walking in the flesh, all you have to do is mind or think about or desire the things in the flesh. When you walk in the spirit, you live to please God. You might play some um, gospel music. You know, you may hang out with other believers. You talk about the Lord. You know, you get spiritually fed. You read the word of God. Or you might even pray. But, you know, it's one of those things where we have to recognize that there are different levels of consciousness. And these things will actually keep us from going off course. Okay, so does that make sense to everyone? Or any questions that anyone has? Anything that they want to add? Because... You know, we're about to get into this, but I do want to uh, pray real quick because I forgot to do that coming up here. So we want to be led by the Spirit. We definitely want to be taught of the Lord, not of ourselves. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. All the things, Lord, that we forget to ask you for. And we thank you, Lord, and we ask you that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that my brother Sam invited me here to speak. But Lord, I am not relying on myself, so please let no flesh be glorified here. Lord, let your will be done. Let your words be heard. Let there be edifying. If there are eyes who can't see and ears who can't hear, I pray, Lord, that you open them and that your words will be heard and that we may all get a spiritual backing. So we're praying for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost like right now, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that I'm amongst brethren and sisters, those who are eager and willing to learn of your word, those who are willing to go out and do your word. So, Lord, we pray that you do these things. And in the name of Jesus, we bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, Every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit, Lord, that is anti-Christ, in the name of Jesus, I call it out right now. And Lord, we just thank you for this time, and we want you to teach us. So place your spirit of teaching upon every person here, that we may learn and teach and be edified. Lord, do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we talked about the three different types of consciousness, um, I also want to go into the children of Israel. I don't know if you guys have um, heard of the story of when the children of Israel were in Egypt and they left Egypt to go into the wilderness and then eventually they made it into the promised land. But so much happened with what went on with them that a lot of it has to do with our walk, you know, in our lives, the different levels of consciousness that we go to the different things that we experience while we go through these things. So um, I want to get started in Numbers 13, and uh, I believe we'll start at verse 18. Numbers 13 and 18. This is just around the time that the children of Israel were heading into the promised land, and they were following the Lord and doing what he said. Okay, so Numbers 13 and verse 18. I know some of you may not have a King James uh, version, but it reads similar, so follow along. And it says, And see the land, what is it? And the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that dwell in, uh, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. So the children of Israel here were looking at their, their enemies, you know, as they got ready to cross the Jordan River, they recognized mm. that there are giants in the land. And the reason I'm bringing up this, because I've heard that um, a lot of you here are involved in street ministry. A lot of you are willing to do the work yourselves. And even though we may not be dealing with these particular giants, we are dealing with our own giants that the enemy may try and bring towards us. So um, I do want to ask everyone, if you is this the street preaching or ministering? Yes. Group? Okay. Majority, yeah. 
what do you guys find as maybe one of your most difficult things that you deal with when you're there? If there's any type of anxiety or anything at all, is there anything while you're out there that makes you feel slightly uncomfortable about sharing the word of God? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and I think that, what's your name? I'm sorry. Devorah. Okay. Yeah, um, I had that difficult moment, too, in my life where I began to um, wonder if I'm offending people. Is that what you mean? Or how far to go before we drive people off? Okay. Has anyone else had any experiences like that or feelings concerning that? No? Okay, well... Um, it's a pretty, um, I wouldn't say a simple answer to it. We do have to trust in the Lord with everything that we do. But this kind of goes back to what I was talking about concerning God conscious, world conscious, and self conscious. We do want to rely on the Spirit of God for everything that we address. We do want words and season. We want, we want God's word and wisdom when we confront people and we speak to them. But you know, part of the consciousness of understanding the Lord and what he wants, when we get to that place with him, you know, we are really obeying him and, and giving him what he tells us to give. Or we're, we're doing what he says to do. So in order to get over that in some ways, you do have to be in that place of dealing with it over and over again, yeah. getting used to it. I won't lie to anyone here when you're out there ministering, you're going to get rejected. Mm -hmm. You may hear more no's than you will hear yeses. But the bottom line is, Jesus says that this is a, a narrow way, and few there be that find the way. Mm -hmm. So you can't let things like that shake your faith. You have to go and preach the gospel to whomever. And whatever the Lord places on your heart, be it scripture or a word in season, you guys, you know, speak the words of the Lord because this is all spiritual. We don't battle with flesh and blood. Perhaps someone that you might want to win to Jesus may have a difficult time and they might be held up by a stronghold, something spiritual. But when we address these matters in Jesus' name, the Bible says that the word doesn't return void. So we're going to see why this is important concerning the children of Israel here because as you hear, they talked about how big these giants were. They talked about how, you know, was the land good or bad? And my question to the children of Israel would be, if God is God, then what difference does it make if the land is bad or good? What difference does it make that these giants are out there trying to stop you from doing the things that you need to do in the Lord? So you see, it all goes down to our faith and how much we believe God. Because if your God is small, then those giants in your life, be they fear, anxiety, or whatever, hmm. those things are huge. Those things are big. But when Jesus Christ is big, and he is Lord of your life, and you know him as King of Kings, and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then if you ask anything in my name, in faith, it shall be done unto you. So that applies not just in the word, but in everything that we do. So it's all about trusting him and walking out on his faith, and God will make things happen. I'll tell you guys a story because I work in special education, and you guys already know that there's no such thing as prayer in schools. Okay, if you do that, you get in trouble in the workplace and, and everything else. Well, for me, last year when I worked, you know, I prayed with two other brothers in the church, I mean, in the, in the school, and we weren't supposed to. But we found a place to sneak off and do it. Long story short, we got caught, and they threatened me about not working there anymore if I continued to do this. So I told them, I'm like, look, I hear what you're saying, but these are my personal beliefs. If you're going to let me go, just let me know. And they kind of backed off on it and said, well, just remember what we said, you know, whatever. So, you know, that whole year passed by. We still continued praying however we could, but this year... It was so funny because I said, you know what, if the Lord gave me a second chance, then I'm going to take that second chance and represent him. If God Amen. is God, then even the education system can't keep him quiet. That's right. Okay, so while I was there, this happened just a few days ago, I began talking to my uh, teacher because I'm an educational assistant. So I began speaking to him about, you know, God. 
and how much I love the Lord. And we had to make collages, and all I wrote was, you know, proud to be a Christian. And then I had my cross there, you know, walking with my cross. And then I put, you know, a rock like Christ. So I'm very proud and open with it. And I began ministering, and I told the uh, teacher, I said, you know, I can't hold back on the Lord. He saved my life. And, you know, I'm that proud of him that I'm going to speak on him. So I thought the teacher would get angry and say something nasty to me. He raised his hand, and I'm like, yes. And he said, how did he save your life? And I said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because <laughs> at this point, I got to give a 15-minute sermon right in the classroom talking about Jesus. And uh, just two days ago, the teacher said, you know, I know that everyone have has different views. I'm an atheist or agnostic, but... I'm going to respect everyone's right in here to believe what they want to believe, and you can speak openly about your God, and if any criticism comes your way, he says, I'll take the brunt end of it, but I will allow it in my classroom. Now, Amen. he's a nice man, but we got to recognize that was Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. because That's the right. whole world lies in wickedness, so you know that Jesus Christ was responsible behind the scenes because I walked out in that faith that he became that big. So one thing about our God is he's not going to leave us void, okay? He's not going to have the enemy laughing in your faces. When you stand for the Lord, you're not standing alone. He's standing there with you. And that's regardless of what it is. No matter what you have to deal with out there, Jesus Christ is that big that it all comes in faith. We have to go from faith to faith, glory to glory in Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want to continue reading now, but this is what the children of Israel were dealing with. They looked over in the land. They didn't know if the land was good or bad. They saw these giants, and I mean, they were terrified. Okay, so we'll keep reading. I think I stopped at uh, verse 19, and it says, And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, or what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the uh, first graves. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen unto uh, Reho, uh, as men come uh, to Hammond. And they ascended by the uh, south. Sorry, guys, I'm just like joining just one Bible. And came unto Hebron, and Ahimon, Sheshah, and Taman, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zohan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between uh, two upon a staff. And they brought it, and they brought of the uh, pomegranates and the figs. So guys, just imagine how lush this land was. They found out that the land was good. This land had um, grapes, that it, a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry. So this land was flowing with that type of abundance. Now, if you have giants in the land, giants eat giant food. But the point, uh, the point, uh, one point that I want to bring to uh, this right now is we recognize that when we read this Bible, we know that God promises many things. We know that one day we're going to see his city, and we know that it's going to be daytime all the time, and it will never be night again. Pain and sorrow will be taken from the midst of us, and we won't have to worry about anything. So he says that all these things will be made new, and we will be there with the Lord. So that's how you know great the promises of God are. But it doesn't keep us, it doesn't make us want them. Okay, because a lot of people may say, okay, that's great, but am I willing to do what it takes to get over there and partake of the promises? So this, again, comes with our faith, because these guys have just learned, man, there are huge grapes over there. This land just flows with everything that we're going to need. But they're dealing with these giants right now. Okay, so uh, anyone have any questions so far, or I'm not, under, you know, anyone understand? Everyone's good? Okay. So just to clarify, yeah. so... This, this is like the promised land that God has for him. It, everything looks sweet and looks promising, mm -hmm. but there's giants in the way. That's right. Is that the understanding? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it says, um, 
Uh, where am I? I think in verse 25. Mm -hmm. And it says, And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses, and Moses to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto, unto the wilderness of Pared and Kedesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and shewed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and, uh, they told him and said, We came into the land, whither thou sentest us, sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, uh, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So what we just read here, all these Ites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, these are all tribes of giants. Now, I know you guys would wonder... Is that possible? Can there really be giants in the land? You know, there are archaeologists today that are coming up with proof that these giants actually existed, okay? And um, I believe that God's word is inspired and errant. I believe everything in this word is true, okay? Even stories such as the giants. So then it says, And Caleb uh, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So here's a man of faith. Here's a man that sees giants over there picking their teeth in the land, looking at the people. <laughs> here's a man that is recognizing, man, this is a threat. This is a serious situation. Like our sister here, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. Devorah. Devorah. Like what she's saying, at times you may feel like you're at that point of, you know, will I minister too much or not enough? And how should I approach a situation? Here's a man of faith that is looking at giants, that is waiting to devour them. But this guy is believing in God, and he says that we are well able to overcome this threat that is in the land. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the, uh, the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report in the land which they searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. So you see, out of these 12 spies that they sent into the land earlier in this chapter, to go and check the land and see if it would be good that they would have it, you only had two out of that 12 that actually believed God that they could go in and take this land. So we understand that faith is something that is not held by many. But it is a glorious treasure of God for those who believe. And if you read the Bible in your spare time, God always works with the minority, never the majority. Because his glory gets done in the few versus the many. So no matter what you might be dealing with out there and going through, we got to recognize that if we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the majority. That's but it right. begins in our consciousness in knowing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And that is the difference between those of faith and those without. Do you believe your God in every situation, even if he will give you the words to speak, even if he will, you know, protect you in times of going out and ministering and helping others? We have got to believe God in all circumstances. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, as so we were in their sight. So, this part of verse 33, these people are actually looking at the giants, and they believe that they are grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. And then it says, so the giants were also to them. So, you see, when we walk with faith and we believe our God, I mean, depending on how big you walk with him and how much you trust him, is how you will be perceived most times. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So just because of your circumstances, you know, it doesn't mean that you might not see anything going on. You may not even see God moving when you're out there working. But we have to believe in our faith in him and in our prayers that he is actually working. So many times the enemy will try and come into your minds to try and instill fear, to say, if you say these things to people, they're probably going to ignore you or, you know, they're going to say some pretty mean things. 
Sarah and I go out there every Wednesday. You know, we go out and we minister. That's my friend Sarah back there. But she um, will tell you, we get called some pretty nasty things. I mean, people don't like when you talk about Jesus Christ. But, you know, after being out there for some time, it just rolls off your back and you recognize it's really not a personal thing. That's right. You know, it really is a spiritual warfare that we are dealing with. And if we are conscious of Jesus Christ, it's not you that they don't like. It's Jesus Christ that is in you. So what you tend to bring, which is God's word, is really somewhat to the world otherworldly. You know, you're presenting a wisdom that only God has to a lost people that don't want to receive him. But, you know, if you keep plugging away and you, you obey the Lord and all that he calls you, you will bring in that abundance. You will see the works and miracles in Jesus Christ work in your life. And I was someone that... You know, I didn't know about the miracles, you know, at first, but after pursuing the Lord and having him do things in my life, I'm here to tell you that everything in this Bible is true. That's right. Everything is true. There was a friend of mine a year and a half ago. She uh, told me, and she thinks she got it at the dentist's office, but she told me she was HIV positive, and she said that, you know, she didn't know what the doctors were going to do, and, you know how everything was going to work out. And she feared for her life, rightfully so. She cried, and, you know, I talked to her, and I told her, you know, the Lord the Lord is going to deal with it. It's going to be okay. Now, we all know, according to what the world says, HIV can't be cured. There is no cure for HIV is what the world says. But, you know, I believe the Lord. I prayed. I fasted for 40 days. And I told her, I said, you know, when you come up from Sutherland, we want to lay hands on you in Jesus' name. And she kind of, you know, was drawing off of the faith that I had, but she herself was kind of thinking, you know, what do I have to lose in this situation? Long story short, we prayed for her, I think it was May 24th of 2016, or April 24th of 2016. She went to the doctor in May and came back, and they couldn't find it anywhere in her system. Amen. So Jesus Christ is alive. His word is true. And, and it really all boils down to how big is our God. So, you know, I think a big part of what we want to do with the world and how we perceive it is Christ in you. A lot of people don't know this, that when we walk in this world, it is about having Jesus Christ in us. That's right. Amen. Does anyone in here believe that you can birth Jesus Christ right inside of you? Praise the Lord. That sounds kind of rough, huh? You guys believe me? Should I have to show you in scripture? All right, let's go to um, Colossians 1, and we'll start at verse 25. Colossians 125. Colossians 125, yes. Yeah, you see, when I laid hands on my friend, that wasn't me. That was Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can heal. He's the great physician. He's the only one that can do. That's right. Since you guys want to see it, I'm going to show you. And and rightfully so, you know. Don't ever believe anything anyone says without checking them out with the word of God. Because that is our life raft. We're Bereans. That's right. That's right. Check all the scriptures. Amen. All right, so verse 25, it says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Does anyone in here know what that mystery of God is that was hid from the beginning of the ages, but is now made manifest, that has come upon the saints today? Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, he's absolutely right. The Holy Spirit was a mystery to those in the Old Testament. Those guys did amazing things and they believed God. But everything they did was in faith. They didn't have the Spirit as we have it today. So, you know, the Bible makes clear in Hebrews 11, we have a chance to be greater than those of the Old Testament because Christ was greater than anyone that preceded him. All right, so it says in um, verse... Uh, 27, it says to whom God would make known what is the riches of, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which were the unbelievers of the world at that time, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Does anybody believe me now? Christ in us is the hope of glory. If not, that's okay. I got two more scriptures I can bring to you guys and show you. So let's go to Galatians 2, and we'll start at verse 19. says, For I through the law am dead to the Lord, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, not yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what do you guys think of that? says Christ lives in me Amen. this is what we do this is this is the whole journey of what we talked about in body soul and spirit which is to move from our fleshly bodies unto our souls where our mind will and our emotion gets controlled by the spirit and then we yield to God and we have consciousness of him this is the whole journey in a nutshell from Egypt which was bondage unto the wilderness which is your soul unto the promised land, which is the place that we worship God. Okay, so I want to go to one more place. Let's go to Galatians 4, and then I promise I'll get off this subject with you guys, but I just want to prove that we are birthing Jesus Christ. All right, Galatians 4, and we'll start at verse uh, 19. And it says... My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. So you see, many of the doubts and things that we have that we deal with can be in many cases why Jesus Christ has not been fully formed in us. So as we go out in more faith and we just go out believing God in everything that we deal with through prayer, through fasting, through, you know, seeking his face, Christ gets formed in us. But see, Christ eats a particular type of food. This baby Jesus that we're growing in us, he eats a certain type of food that allows him to grow. But he does not feed on the world. And that's why in many cases we tend to give him thinking that he's going to grow stronger in us. But it doesn't happen. It only occurs in feeding the baby that which he needs. If we're building our spiritual man, we have to give our spiritual man spiritual food. Okay, so we need to grow in him. And as we grow in him, we become more conscious of the Lord and not of our surroundings. Okay, so we begin to believe him in everything that we do. So I want to go one more place and then I'm going to uh, conclude in a few words. But I just want to make this point that it really is about birthing Jesus Christ in us, about him growing in us, that we may have more faith, that we may do his will. Let's go to John 6, and I'm going to conclude there. All right, John 6, and we're going to begin at verse 24. John 6 and 24, and it says, everyone there? I forgot you guys got your phones. You beat me there. John 6 and 24, and it says, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So Jesus is calling these guys out right now because these guys came seeking for Jesus. Jesus thought that they wanted him. He thought, all right, you guys wanted to come and see me, but they came for food. So Jesus is recognizing they weren't looking for all that Jesus could give them in the spirit. They were looking to feed themselves and, and you know, get what they wanted out of him. They were trying to take what they could from Jesus. Verse 26, or verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. 
So Jesus is saying, don't worry so much about the things that you do in your day-to-day life. I know that most of you are young, so this is kind of, well, we got to go to school. We got to go. We got to do all these different things. But, you know, how much we put into him, how much we read our word, you know, this is that food that he's talking about that Jesus needs for us to grow. I mean, for him to grow in us. Then saith they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? So it's kind of like what our sister Devorah is talking about. What must we do to work the works of God? When do we reach our breaking point? When do we know, you know, what to say and when to say? Verse 20, 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So he made clear, if there's any work that is going to be done, the only work that you need to do is believe on Jesus Christ and everything that you want, and he will provide you the words to speak and give you the things to do. They said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou? What sign are you showing then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So these guys are not quite understanding Jesus. Jesus is talking of spiritual food. These guys are even attempting to quote scripture just to try and get the bread. So this is what you would call using the word of God deceitfully. They're trying to, you know, well, Jesus, well, you know, as it was written, you know, you fed them with bread. Well, we're here for bread. All right, let's see how Jesus answers this in verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So you see, without God, when Jesus says, Aside from me, you can do nothing, and he says that we are he is the true vine, hmm. we are to cling to that vine and stay with that tree of life that we might be sustained. And the more we feed on Jesus, the less fear we have of anything else, because Jesus is growing in us. Then said they um, unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So if we draw nigh to Jesus, as the Bible says, Jesus Christ will draw nigh to us. Jesus is very much like that mountain that you might see in the distance, and from a distance it looks pretty small. But as you get closer to the mountain, you start to see what its true height is like. Now, did the mountain grow, or did you draw closer to the mountain that you may, saw, you may have seen the actual size of the mountain. As you draw closer to Jesus Christ, he becomes that much bigger in your life. That's right. Amen. And Jesus said, Paul says, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Amen. But he was speaking to those of faith that believe in Jesus. So he says in verse uh, 30, uh, where am I? Uh, 30, uh, 38, sorry. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath uh, sent me, that of all which he hath given given me, I should lose nothing, but should rise up again at that last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at that last day. So, I mean, man, what a glorious thing that if we believe on Jesus Christ and we do what he tells us to do, that on the last day, you know, that we're going to actually be caught up in the clouds with Christ Jesus, that we are going to see him for the first time face to face, and that we are going to live with him forevermore. Praise the Lord. But it always takes Christ in us to have that hope of glory. That's right. We don't do these things in our own will. Not in, our own wef- um, not in our own effort, not in our own wisdom. It is only Christ in us that gives us the ability to do this. That's right. So I'm going to finish up here, and then I'm going to move on. But it says, um, verse 41, and, Jesus then murmured at, and the Jews then murmured at him because he said, 
I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Uh, how is it that, that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which uh, hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at that last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be also taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Not that any man uh, hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. So I want to move down to verse 52, okay? Let's go to verse 52 where I can conclude here. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. So what Jesus is talking about here is obviously not cannibalism. What he's talking about is if you feed on Jesus Christ, if you feed him with this bread, with this word, in prayer, and truly seeking his face, that those people would have their, uh, they will have that life. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So imagine, you know, that we feed so much on this word and we seek the face of Jesus Christ until he is truly formed in us. Imagine Jesus Christ making his home in you. Man, that is everything you need. You never saw Jesus in this Bible back down from telling the truth. You never saw Jesus afraid to go into places that might have been dangerous mm -hmm. because he obeyed the will of the Father. Amen. So our hope in all that we do and everything that we need, it takes Christ in us, That's which right. is truly our hope of glory. Now, I do want to bring up one point. Is anybody familiar in here with the Temple of God, the Temple of Solomon? You guys, are, you, you've heard of it? As far as the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place? What do you guys think that symbolizes since we've been talking about this tonight? Yeah. Body. body and soul and spirit, right. So when you look at the outer court, it was a place where those on the outside, you know, everyone would congregate together in the outer court. That's where you would say people would come and they would fellowship together. It would be something like this while we're all out here talking, you know, we're fellowshipping and praising. But then you had the priest that would go into the inner court. And they would go in there to congregate together because they were closer to the Lord. So they went from the flesh, you may as well say, from the outer court into the soul to make a sacrifice. The high priest would make the sacrifice in the inner court. And then he would take that sacrifice or take the blood of the sacrifice and bring it into the most holy place where he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and that uh, the people would also be sprinkled with this blood. But see, the most holy place is where Jesus Christ wants us to be. And that's why I'm asking everyone, how much of Jesus Christ do you want? I mean, do you really want to see one day him work his miracles through you? Do you really want to touch Amen. the lives of other people and have God move in your life? Oh, yeah. That people know that you are a believer? And when people say, wow, how did you do that? Thank you for saving my life. You say, no, I did nothing. It is Jesus Christ, the one that did all things, one from 2,000 years ago that this whole world is trying to get rid of. That's it right. is Jesus Christ that did this. Amen. So you see, the closer we draw to the Lord, the more faith we have in him and the more he gets exalted. So as we lift up Jesus, as we praise him, as we draw closer to him, that he will draw close people closer to you. That's right. So when people are drawn to the spirit, to Jesus Christ in you, all you have to do is speak the words that Jesus tells you to speak, and people will be delivered. Amen. It's not in our effort. It's how much do you believe Jesus Christ that he will do these things. I'll tell you guys another funny story before I close. But a friend of mine, I had a really broke week two weeks ago. I mean, I just didn't have any money at all. Like, September was a bad month for me. So it was a co-worker you know, that I worked with that told me, 
Um, he asked me if I needed anything from him. And I said, you know, honestly, if you can borrow, I can borrow $10 from you, you know, that'll be good till Thursday. And he said, sure, no problem. So he gave them to me. Uh, Thursday rolls around, you know, we go to the supermarket together. I give him his money back. But he ends up leaving his wallet at work. So he says, what I got here is actually more than 15, well, more than 10, can you give me 15? And I'm like, sure, no problem, I gave it to him. And he says, I'll pay you back. And I said to him, you know, don't worry about it. I was like, it's okay, you know, we're good, don't even worry about it. So he took the money and, you know, I went home that night, made myself something to eat, went back outside for a little walk. And mind you, I'm still broke. I still have almost no money. I had enough to pay him back, but I didn't have much. So I'm walking by the church, by a church where a lot of homeless people hang out, but I didn't see any there that day. I looked down, it was the it was five dollars that was just laying there. Now I know you guys are like, what's five dollars gonna do? But it may as well have meant everything to me because it just proved to me that God's word is true. That's right. He gave me back the $5 that I gave someone else. Amen. So never be tired of well-doing. Never be tired of serving the Lord and doing his will. Because God always pays back with interest. That's right. And since Amen. then, I've had so many blessings come my way. I mean, you know, I, for, I'll give you another example. At a <laughs> wedding that I, um, I married a couple this week in the past. Now, I told them my fee was like, you know, $70, $50, whatever it is that, you know, you want to contribute to the ministry, that's fine. I just want to see people married. Well, at the end of the, well, before we even got started, right, mm -hmm. the guy just gave me, you know, money in my hand. I look at it, it's 200 bucks, And I'm like, man, how awesome is God that you can't even give a fee that you want with God knowing what you really need and giving it to you. That's right. Okay, so he is an awesome God. And it's all about how big he is. So when you guys are out there handing out food and talking to people, it's meaningful. It really is meaningful in the eyes of God. It's no small task because, all right, one more spot. I know I have to go there. And then I promise, guys, I'm going to close. Let's go to James 1, and we'll start. We'll go to verse 23. Or verse 20, I'll say. James 1 and 20. So, you know, when we walk in God's righteousness, it is food to us, and it is food to that Christ that we are forming in us. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. So let's not overlook this word natural, because this word natural means, you know, the, the Greek word is sukekos, and it means soulish. It means worldly. It means a person that is that uh, his five senses is what he uses to perceive things. Now, we know that God's reality is greater than this. So that's the Greek word psychikos for natural. All right. So he said this man will behold his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I'll give you an example of what they're saying. You guys ever had any uh, New Year's resolutions? You ever promise you're going to do some things in the new year and then you find out within two weeks you've forgotten all about it? Well, that is the natural man. That is the one that says he makes these promises and he says that he would do these things and they never bear any fruit because there was no reality in it at all. They never really believed what they were saying. It just sounded like a good idea at the time. Okay, so he's talking about those people that those who don't believe you have to give. Or those who fake it from time to time, but they're not really in it. Those people will forget what manner of persons they are. But those that cling to the word of God, they hold his word to be true. So it says, but whosoever looketh unto the perfect law of liberty, that means being led of the spirit. Because the Bible says, where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. 
You guys remember the story when Jesus wanted to go into Jerusalem? And he said, loose the colt that I may ride him. You remember when he rode into town and they were dropping in lamb palms? Well, that was also symbolic for how God needs to use us. And, and, and you know, this is all a part of our walk and being stronger with him. But wherever there is a need to do the will of the Lord, you know, he calls us to do. And that's why we have to be vessels fit for him to use. Okay? So it says, um, the perfect law of liberty and continue it therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So if you believe that Jesus says to give and to take care of those who are without, the Lord is going to bless you guys, and he's probably already have blessings laid up for you guys as you go out there. And they will bear fruit, because our God is a faithful and righteous God. All right, verse 26, and he says, If any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue. That means he has no control of his tongue or doesn't hold his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. So, you know, they got a lot of self righteous people out there. They'll tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But these people themselves have no control over their own lives and their own tongues. So, that would be a vain person because they would preach things to you that they don't even intend to keep. You know, you have a lot of people out there like that. They'll tell you all this stuff, but they themselves have, are not doing it. So he says that's a vain man to think that he is religious and righteous, not doing the righteous works. 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So as we obey the Lord and his righteousness and do what he wants, and you guys are taking care of the fatherless and the oppressed and, the, you know, the widows, God is going to bless you guys for this because you believe that God is that big that you want to do his will. That's it right. is no small thing to take care of those that are without. So if anyone has any questions or anything they want to add, if anyone wants me to be quiet now, raise your hands, you know, but... <laughs> but the, the point is, is God has to be that big to us. Never look at this Bible and just say that can't be true. I'm telling you as a living witness in Jesus Christ, everything that he said, and I mean everything, is true. Amen. And you will bear fruit. And you will be mighty women and men of God if you just pursue him and believe him in all things. That's right. All right? So that's what I have for tonight, guys. I'm sorry it couldn't be shorter, but I just wanted to touch on some things in pursuing him and really walking in his faith because when you walk out there preaching in Jesus Christ, you are not there alone. Amen. He said, well, there were two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So God is alive today as he was then. But you've got to believe him and more importantly, let's birth Christ in us. That's right. Let's grow Christ because the more conscious we are of him, the less conscious we are of our circumstances or being afraid or unsure. Jesus Christ was never afraid. Jesus Christ was always sure. He might have had fear in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that fear wasn't Jesus. That was the flesh of Jesus trying to fight him from doing the will of the Father. You know how there's some days you don't feel like going out and ministering? That's your flesh. You know the days you don't really feel like praying? That's your flesh. So if we live a disciplined life and we pursue the Lord, these things become easier to us because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So that's all I have for tonight, guys. Uh, hopefully we have to believe God in all circumstances.
So yeah, everything you touched on was was right on. Um, let us let us just move forward from here on with that with that mindset. I know you know this is not our whole group on Sunday. There's gonna be a lot more people that you know that are me at church. So I want you to encourage uh, encourage people that are at church. Um, I want you to to reach out to Christians even in your realm of influence and have that effect in their life. Not only this church, but just other Christians. We're not going to get this church forever, right? There's going to be more, more of an effect around our, our church community, our friends, community, our school community, day-to-day life, uh, our home. Everything that we have effect on, let's, let's apply this. Amen. You know, let's, let's apply it, right? right? Works without, or faith without works is dead. Right. So we're, we're having faith for what God is doing. So find that next challenge that you need to take with God. I know your challenge. We already know that. <laughs> but like find that next challenge you know and, and ask God to, to take it with you like that was I mean out of out of out of all of it my favorite part was also what he shared with, with his work standing up like that that takes boldness you know I think Carlin you have a similar testimony <laughs> at Trader Joe's <laughs> you know there's persecution it's really persecution mm-hmm. you know and if you're at that point of being persecuted that means you're already bold in your faith so if you're not being persecuted, that means you need to be more bold in your faith. That's right. That's right. Right. Amen. So, um, so guys, get bold in your faith, and when you get persecuted, count it joy. Amen. That means you're being bold. Amen. Right. And then become even more bold. That's just the next stepping block. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like steps, and there's the next, next, next stepping block. Right. At home, I want to challenge all of you guys. Home is, it is the biggest uh, war zone, especially you know in high school, in college. It's the biggest war zone zone. So use that as your stepping block. If you don't know where to go from here, if nothing nothing makes sense in this whole time, just take this one thing. Go home and, and look for opportunities to pray. Look for family members that you can pray for. And don't That's just right. give up on it. Amen. Okay, don't don't just don't just say, Oh well, I didn't see it. It's not gonna be five minutes, not even five seconds. Look for things to pray for. You guys know your siblings, you know your parents. You are in direct contact with that person continuously. All right, so um, let that be practice for you before you go out to the street, before you go out, before we do big events like that, um, and then be prayerful and um, and be you know be active in your faith when you guys have tests, when you have to fast for something, fast about it, just do it. Right? Let's take let's take the one thing from the world, Nike. Just do it. That's what it's talking about. Just do it. Whatever's coming to your heart, do it. Don't wait on it. Um, the number one thing that you're going to deal with is the, I don't know if it's memory loss but you know every time I have a dream or a vision that God gives me I'll forget it if I don't write it down when I wake up so that just tells you that there's, there's an enemy in the world that's going to try to pull back everything that God's doing in your life every word that he said is just going to try to make you forget it right the seed that, that's, that's going to be planted in the soil that's good the difference between the soil that, that just gets plucked by the sparrow is that, that it, it, it takes it deep into his heart that's right. And it lets it bring up, bring forth fruit. So Amen. take take every yep. word, you know, the notes that you took, the, the the verses that you wrote down, the verses that he said. Ask him afterwards, you know, after we're done praying here. Ask him what verses he used. Ask him for his message. Ask he's, I'm sure the verses are in his heart. So so be active. Okay, guys. Amen. And, uh, and we'll regroup on on Sunday. Other than that, let's pray and let's break. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your goodness. Thank you, Father, that you are real. Thank you, Lord, that you are active, mm-hmm. that you are doing things, God, that we are so, so unaware of, Lord. So, Lord, Lord, we just actively reach out to you, God, and we want to be a part of your body, God. Mm-hmm. We want to be a part of everything that you do, Lord. We want to be in tune with your spirit, God. So, Lord, I pray for every single person here, Lord, that they uh, take your spirit with them, Lord, where they go. When they're being bold, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are with them. Whether being bold in faith, whether it be bold in in school, whether it be bold in in actions, everything that they're bold in, Lord, in prayer, that you are with them, God. And I pray that they take faith, Father, that you you are with them, Lord, and that you've overcome the world. Thank you, Jesus. God, and there's nothing that we cannot overcome through you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank I thank you, Jesus. Lord, for Brother Derek taking his time out and, and sharing the word with such passion and such heart, Lord. And God, I pray that every single person here gets the opportunity, Lord, to share what they learned tonight 
and that they take that opportunity, Father, and that your spirit guides them into yes, that, Father. Yes. And that every every word that's spoken here will not fall to the ground, Jesus. That will be spoken, Lord, to the hearts here, Lord. And that, Lord, your your heart will be spoken through them, Lord, because the, your heart has been spoken to them, Lord. And that you will work through them, Father, um, these, this next month, Father, this next, next year, next decade, Father, that this word, Lord, will be... Um, just bringing forth fruit in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus, Jesus, Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.